<laughs> well, hello. <laughs> Welcome back to Magical Soup. I am clearly having an issue with my voice, which is hilarious because, the, you know, I've been told repeatedly by source that I need to use my voice. And then I start recording this podcast and this happens. So right now, um, I'm really, I've really dialed back on alcohol. I listened to the Huberman Report podcast on alcohol, and that was like pretty eye-opening. So I am going up to a house party to dance, and I'm super, super psyched about it. I love going out dancing. It's my medicine, and it is not my medicine if I'm drinking uh, every time I go out, because I'm... I like to go out dancing a lot. So I have had to figure out how to go out to, you know, bars with dancing and parties with dancing and not really do much of anything. I, something happened to me last night and it's like really got me processing. So I went to a, one of our favorite dance clubs, like not, it's not a club, it's an art bar, but they play really good music. And last night they had a DJ that had like a guy playing bongo drums along with the DJ. It was so fun. Um, so I am at this bar and I run into a friend who I haven't seen in a minute. And she was asking me about this trip that I recently took to Portugal. And I was telling her about it, and I said, um, yeah, you know, when I was there, I ended up getting invited to this house party in Lisbon, and she starts laughing, and she's like, of course you did. And it hit me, (laughs) like in that moment, it hit me that she was like the third or fourth person in my life where... When I'm like telling them about my adventures in Portugal and I say that I ended up getting invited to a Halloween house party in Lisbon, their response has all been the same, which is, of course you did. And I'm like, so I've had to like, like think about that for a minute because like, Like, what does that mean? What does it mean, right? Like, how am I that person? (laughs) I'm that person where, like, I say that this exciting and fun thing happened and the response from the people in my life is, of course you did. And, like, that, like, is, I mean, it's so freaking delightful that that is my life. And I didn't even realize, I didn't realize that that was my life. You know, I think a lot of times it's hard to take a step back from your own life and you don't, you don't know like what is normal about your life that is not normal in someone else's life. And, and so I don't know how many people out there get the response of course you did to stories like that but oh my god if that's you can you just find me and can we connect because I would love to meet you and talk to you about your experience in the world I think that would be super fun but in the meantime I'm really trying to think about what it is about me that leads to those kind of experiences. And the first one I came to was was beauty. 
You know, beauty's something that gets rewarded in our society. And so is it just because I um, represent the standard of beauty that has been in existence for a really, really long time? And so is that the reason why these things happen to me? And, you know, I actually, I don't, I don't think that that's it. I think it's more than that. I don't really know a lot of people in my life who are caught in the spell of physical beauty. I feel like, I feel like who you are in your heart is what makes you attractive in, in, communities that are beyond the physical beauty. But I will say this, that I have always felt like I've been watched my entire life. And I've like struggled at times between wondering whether that feeling of being watched is just my connection to spirit or source or, or whatever it is that's up there. But, but also I've been watched in like the 3D world a lot. It's rare that I'm out and about where I I don't feel like that, which is part of the reason why I think I like to be alone. You know, there's a number of reasons that I like to be alone, but that's definitely one of them. I think I've I've finally come out the other side of it, and that is that I don't care anymore about that. I think I would much rather live my fullest and most expressed and biggest life and not worry about that because it's much more fun (laughs) because it's much more fun (laughs) to do it the other way it fucking sucks to to like pay attention to that shit and worry about that shit it sucks so I'm not going to anymore (laughs) I feel like I was probably pretty out there already but it's taken it up a notch or two for sure already uh which has been very fun. My clothing that I'm wearing. <laughs> I'm loving what I'm wearing these days. It's really fun. It's not boring. So what is it actually about me? Uh, I think part of it is that I am fun loving. I tend to have a good time no matter where I am. I can have a good time in a crisis, actually. (laughs) Turns out I can have a good time in a crisis. So yeah, that's definitely a big part of it. It's That's a big part of the the people who I have that are closest to me is definitely that quality of being able to have a good time, like no matter what. Of course, it's much better if you're set up for the good time. <laughs> so I'm just going to put that out there, universe. It's, it's delightful when you have a group of people who are all sort of intent on having a good time come together. Actually, I'm, I'm having a gathering coming up in a week. The theme is sequins and fur, and it is a collection of people who just like really enjoy having a good time. Let's see, have I processed through everything? God, no, no, of course not. Of course not. I have identified one one thing, which is I like to have fun and that is contagious. Why else? Why else do I get to do the things I get to do? Well, 
I get to do the things I get to do. Well, because I'm fucking grateful. (laughs) That's a big, that's actually, that's a big one. That's bigger than, that's bigger than whatever, (laughs) whatever bullshit I was spouting out like before this, just, just like put that in the back pocket. And like, this is the one, this is actually the one I delight in life and I delight in like the smallest things that happen to me like for the past literally for the past day every time I've looked at a clock uh it has been magical numbers 11 11 333 12 12 like <laughs> I have been every single time and I'm fucking here for it it's so delightful like I love it so much and every time it happens I, you know, shoot these rockets of gratitude, as Abraham Hicks likes to say. I shoot these rockets of gratitude at how fucking delightful life is. And I think that 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 emotion, like if there's a really good chance that our lives show up for us in the way that they do, it is a law of attraction, But the way that I think about it is it is the emotion that you feel, how strong you feel it, how much you feel it generates energy that that creates more. Like we're like somehow we are rewarded in this lifetime, in this game, in this simulation, in who knows, whatever this is. But what I have discovered and what I feel like is pretty consistent, and it is the law of attraction, but it's nuanced. And the nuance is that this thing wants us to be alive and it wants us to feel emotion. And when we are showing up with a lot of emotion, it puts more of that towards us so that we feel more emotion. That's why what you put out there is what you get because in my mind, this is, we're in a simulation and the computer, the AI, whatever is learning that with each character, as they feel emotion, they become more alive. And then the, 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 the computer, whatever, the source energy (laughs) aliens reward us for feeling energy. And it doesn't matter if it's positive energy or the positive emotions or negative emotions. It's just emotion. That's the currency. And so if I'm constantly shooting up rocket ships of gratitude and delight for all of the magical things that happen to me, then I get more of them. And when I'm having fun, it's contagious. And I think that that actually also is like contributing to my situation. Like I'm not only charging up the emotional engine of myself, but I can charge up the emotional engines of other people. And so, you know, I think that might be part of it too. The more you can charge up the emotional engine of people, the more you get. And what you get is what 
what you want, you know, like what it is that you are thinking about all the time. So that's why you got to be careful what you think about. Like you have to pay attention to what you're thinking about. And then you have to also get specific about what you want. And I'm terrible at that. I'm so fucking bad at that. I'm working on that one. That's what I'm working on right now is what, how big, like how big could my life be? Uh, And what do I, what do I want for me for that big life? I, uh, it's, it's hard because I, I already love my life, but there's definitely, gosh, if, if I were to say that I'm, if my life was a roller coaster, <laughs> the first, all of it up until here, okay, the first part of it, the, the up until 2015, no, I, I'm simplifying things, but basically up until 2015, I was on the roller coaster part where you're sort of like on the level ground, doing a few twists and turns, maybe going through a dark tunnel, then coming out into the light, but nothing too jazzy. And then in 2015, that was the beginning of the freaking climb up. (laughs) And definitely I alternated between being like, oh my God, yay. And oh my God, oh, <laughs> like, fuck. <laughs> but it, it was both of those hardcore emotions because I did not know where this was going. And sometimes it was painful, but I got to the top and I definitely saw the down and I de- decided that instead of being like, what's going to happen? I was like, what's going to happen? And I put my hands in the air and I am on the, the down of that. I'm, I'm on the down. It's just like thrills and, and delight (laughs) and, and not a ton of, not a ton of worry actually. I don't know. It doesn't make any, you know, I I have bet on myself so many times now and it works out. So I think as long as you have the emotion, the passion for what it is that's next for you, you should bet on yourself. <laughs> You should bet on yourself. That seems to be also something that helps, that works. Some of my greatest rewards have been when I literally covered my eyes, stood on the edge of a cliff, and stepped off. And then the net appeared. And in the most unexpected ways, and it is put me on the path towards living the life that is most representative of me. Uh, I'm closer. I'm not there yet. I'm, I'm getting so much closer and it's happening a lot faster now. But yeah, living the life that is perfectly designed for me. That's the goal. So that's fun to figure that out. <laughs> So I used to have a photographic memory and 
that allowed me to, I could look at something once, I could read something once, and I could recall what I had read. And I could remember faces. Names weren't, I don't remember not being good at names, actually. It was a non-issue. Names were kind of a non-issue. When I got pregnant with Caroline, one of the things that I noticed happened is I couldn't, I couldn't access my photographic memory anymore. And I figured that out because I was literally parking my car in a parking garage and then I couldn't find it. I couldn't recall where I parked it. And so I was like, whoa, wait, like visually, like that's my access to my memory is visually like I could picture something and then I could bring myself back to that moment and uh, remember the things about it. And that disappeared for me overnight and it sucked so hard. Oh my God, it sucked so hard. When I realized that it was gone, I uh, mourned that one. And you know what? Here's the thing. I, it, I, like, was, I held out hope for a really long time. I was like, this is just pregnancy brain. This is a, po- this is a, a pause. This is not a permanent is just pregnancy brain. And yeah, nope. Turns out it was pregnancy brain, but it didn't go away. <laughs> it just stuck around. <laughs> never came back is more like it. And never came back. And at some point I needed to acknowledge the fact that it wasn't coming back. And there were a number of years where I felt like I was debilitated. It was really, I couldn't remember anything. Like I couldn't remember anything. And it like made my imposter syndrome at work kick into high gear. And it, I was so nervous about it that I actually like went and got like a CAT scan or, you know, an MRI or Whatever it is that they do to look at your brain. And this is back when it was easier to get that kind of stuff. So I, I did it. I was concerned. And they did a scan and my, nope, my brain looked fine. So, so then I had to really sort of understand that this turns out <laughs> this was my new brain. Other than researching pregnancy brain a little bit and understanding that part of my postpartum depression was mourning a loss of my photographic memory. But other than that, I didn't really do anything to, and like making sure that my brain was okay, right? Like I went and got the scan. But other than that, I didn't really do anything to repair it. Um, And there's a lot of reasons for that. I certainly, my health and well-being was so far down on the priority list for a very long time. So that, but I did end up magically having a project fall on my lap, which was a documentary about brain science. And I got to interview a Harvard professor about what we now know about 
brain science and how we learn and retain information. And because I did that documentary, I had to learn all about memory and learning and how it works. And it allowed me to understand how it was supposed to work. You know, your brain typically builds scaffolding and that scaffolding connects memories to memories and things to things and knowledge to knowledge. And you are building that. It's a muscle, you know, you're building that scaffolding as you're a little kid and you're growing and, and that's how you're retaining and holding on to more and more. And because I had a photographic memory, I never built that access system. My brain never built scaffolding for any of it because it was all just like magically available, like pictured it, poof, there it is without any context. And so not only did I like lose like all of my memories, I can't, I really can't remember anything. I, I can remember it if someone like paints a picture of a scene in so much detail that it like, it feels like it tickles my brain a little bit and then it kind of comes up and I like have that sense of, I know that this is true and I can kind of remember it, but I cannot recall. I don't really bring back much. It's more like just like a little bit of the emotion around it and like the knowledge that that is a true memory. And so here I am in this later stage of my life and I am having to <laughs> build all new scaffolding so that I can create a new database in my brain and access memories. I could remember a face from anywhere. And now I cannot, unless, unless we've had a drop-in conversation where I can attach like a bunch of things to who you are as a person, I do not remember you. And I, it's like awful. It feels terrible. It's the worst. It's the fucking worst. Because how do you not even recognize a person's face, especially if you've had a conversation with them? Now, granted, it might have been a very cursory, brief conversation, but you would think that if you'd had a conversation with someone, you'd be able to remember them. That one's the worst. That one's the worst. If I were focused on this part of healing my brain. I wonder if the mushrooms would do that. Oh, God, that would be so fucking dope. <laughs> that would be so amazing. Could they do that? I don't know. I would, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to give it a shot. Maybe I need to just stop talking now. <laughs> Maybe I need to end this scene. I'm going to end this scene and make room for what is next. <laughs> uh, it's going to be good. 